Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Let's go ahead and let's open up uh, the Word of God. If you've got a Bible, let's read the, the, the verse that is going to be for today. And so today's teaching is going to be based on Philippians 2, verse 19. And we're just going to read these three verses, and we're going to get started. And so it says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. Verse 20, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Verse 22, but you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for each person that's in this place, for each servant in this place. We pray, God, that you will look upon your people and that you will look at the potential that this church may have in each and every one that's here. I pray, Father, that you would prepare their hearts, for you have an incredible word for them today. I pray, God, that they may leave transformed, that they may leave this place wanting to make a change in their life and make a change in this world. Use me, Lord, as a vessel today, Father God, to share your word, that this word may be the voice and direction for your people's lives. Father, I thank you, God, for your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. In these verses that we just read, we're hearing about Paul and Timothy. And Paul and Timothy here, they were writing this letter to the church in Philippi. And they were looking for uh, a people, uh, they were looking for a church, they were looking for a team that was not concerned about themselves, but that wanted to be united, that wanted to be one and that they would serve one another in unity. And that they weren't living for themselves, but that they were living for others, that they were living for the Lord. And today's uh, title is called, It's All About You, Jesus. A lot of us take that last per part of that title out in our life, and it's all about you. That's right, it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what... I want to do, and it isn't about you. You got to say, it's about you, Jesus. It's about what you wanted for my life. It's not about what I want. It's not about my desires. It's not about my agenda. It's not about my plans. I put that aside, Lord, and I say, Lord, it's all about you, all of it, not some part of my life. And I think, I believe that a lot of people have an issue of the word all. They don't want to put all of it up to what the Lord wants for their life. They're like, Lord, I'll give you this area in my life, not all of it, and, and, and it because I, I want to live and enjoy my life the way I seem fit, where I think it's going to be great for me. But I, a lot of people don't have the faith to say, if I give it all to God and I deny myself, that you would live the life God intended for you to live. And it's great, way more enjoyable because it includes the joy of the Lord versus me trying to create this thing called happiness. 
and trying to fill myself with all that I can, with all that I have, and it's nothing. I've always said that happiness is the cheap version of joy because it, it isn't going to last too long. You need to give yourself entirely to the Lord, and it's not an easy walk. It's a tough, it's a narrow road to take, but it's what the Lord is looking for. And as you walk this walk, the Lord will give you a joy that's unspeakable. And so in this verse, we find Paul um, talking to the church of Philippi. And it says in verse 19, we're in, in Philippians 2, verse 19, it says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. He's telling them, I want to send you a son of mine, an example of mine. The church needs this. And the church at Philippi needs this. That I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I want to send Timothy and I want to hear good news when he comes back about what's going on over there. Now I love this part of the verse. Verse 20. He says, I have no one else like him, like Timothy. I find nobody else like Timothy who's going to show you genuine concern for your welfare, for your, for your well-being, for your church, for your needs, that's going to serve you, that's going to pour out his life for you. I've got no one else like him. And he, so therefore, I'm going to send you to him, I'm to send you to you guys. That's what the Lord is looking for. The Lord is looking for Timothys in this place. The Lord is looking for the Timothy saying, can I find somebody in this place that cares about the needs of others more than himself? Verse 21. This is the problem people have. I don't find anybody else because everyone is looking out for their own interest. Everybody's looking about for their own agenda. What am I going to do today on Sunday after church? Because I'm coming to church because I'm holy and I need to set time for the Lord. But after church, it's my time. Monday is my day. Tuesday's my day and I'll give, I'll give the Lord back on Wednesday. No, it's all about you, Lord. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. A lot of us have our affairs, everything that has to do about us and not about Jesus. And what the previous verse said is, I found nobody but Timothy. And if that's all I have to send, then that's all I'm going to send. And the Lord says that today. If all there is is one that's going to stand up and say, I'm going to think about the Lord and I'm not going to think about myself. And you're the only one, then that's the Timothy he's going to send. And he's going to do the work through you. A lot of people come to church. They get saved. Their lives are restored. Marriages are restored. They're, they're set free from their bondages of, of drugs, addic addiction, pornography. There's an incredible change. I've seen the change in my life what the Lord has done. But many people, once they do that, they settle themselves. And they stop right there. And they stay in this comfort zone for the rest of their walk. 
And, and they, don't, they don't do anything about their lives. I love what uh, Maggie just sh shared. She shared about the lepers that were healed, but there was only one that came back and, 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 and gave thanks. And not just that, served the rest of their life. Is our life, when the Lord rescues us, filled with thanksgiving and saying, Lord, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life? I'm going to serve you and I'm going to serve others for the rest of my life? Isn't the Lord worthy of that? Just the fact that he saved a wretch like me, that he just changed my life and took me out of that pit? Isn't that enough to give and lay down my life like he laid it down for me for the rest of my life, regardless of what I want for my life? Lord, it's all about you. And not everyone is called to be a pastor. That's not what I'm saying or called to be a teacher. But we're all called to make disciples of all nations, to make an impact in this world, to take the burdens of others upon our shoulder and take the needs of the people around us, to call people up and say, hey, I haven't seen you around at church and I miss you. And I care for you. I want to tell you something. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your family because I know God has a big calling for your life. Amen. And the Lord loves you and the Lord's reaching out to you. Caring about the needs of other people before yourselves. That's what the Lord is looking for. God is not looking for your abilities. Instead, he's looking for your availability. And if you have a gift or a talent, because I know there's a lot of gifts and talents. This church is filled with so many talents. I mean, we've got all types of talents from trumpet players to guitar players and, and, and put the music aside, even athletics, you know. And we've had even teams come out from this church and played in a Christian league. And there's Christian baseball players that are here today because of that. So you can say, Lord, can't use baseball for Jesus. Yes, you can. I, I want to tell you something. Before I went to youth group in the Lord, I played in the youth group softball team. Something I can be related to. And I thank God for that. Because I didn't know that even existed. I didn't know that there was not only a Christian league, but I didn't know that there were some talented people that I can play with. And I was like, man, some people are even better than me. I'm like, man, I thought I was the best. And the Lord just humbled me. And said, there's people better than you, not only in your baseball ability, but even spiritually, look at your condition in your life. And so when I see whatever the Lord, whatever the Lord has given you a gift or a talent, your job is to give that back to the Lord. Don't just say, I'm going to hold it on to, to just myself. No. We've, we're filled, we're a church filled with so many gifts and talents. And a lot of us have been stagnant in those areas and don't give it on to the Lord, whatever it is. Some people have the gift of Of, of serving other people, that you just, you're, you're, you always have people on your mind. My wife has that gift. She's always saying, hey, you know what? I haven't seen so-and-so in such a long time. And she reminds me, oh, yeah, I got to call him. I forget. She's got a gift to remember about those things. I forget everything all the time. Without her, I'll, I'm lost. And so, thank you, Jesus. That's right. There's people that have a gift to just smile and put joy in people's lives and encourage them. Use that gift that you have. Whatever it is that you have, you give it up to the Lord. It's not what you're able to do. 
You say, I don't have anything. I don't have a talent. It's not what you're able to do. He's looking at what he is able to do through you. By using you. You say, Lord, I have nothing. I am nothing. Then the Lord says, then that's who I want to use. The Lord loves to use the nobody. Because that's where he's glorified. That's where people are saying, wow, the Lord can use that dummy up there? Yeah, that's right. That's where the Lord is glorified. And I've seen a lot of dummies get up here. And God will grab the foolish things of this world to put the wise to shame. There's a story about, in the word of God, about a woman who lost his wife. And you know her stories about, uh, she's the, uh, the widow and, or the widow's oil and, and Elisha. And so the story happens uh, where um, when she lost her husband, the creditors came after her saying, you owe some money and we're about to take your children and take them as slaves because you can't pay your debt. And so she went to her master, Elisha, and says, what am I going to do? I've got to pay this debt. These creditors are coming after me. They want my children. I don't have anything to offer them. And he's like, can you just check in your house what you have of value? Maybe with what you have, you can just pay them off, give it, maybe sell it, get rid of it. And then you can, and, and she says, all I, I have nothing but a, 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 jar, a jar of oil. That's all I have to offer. And I've got nothing else. And it's not enough. It's very, oil back then was very valuable. But not as valuable as two children, as slaves. And so um, he says, go to everywhere you can. This is what Elisha says. Go everywhere, go to your neighbors, and start to collect all the vessels that you can, all the jars that you can, empty vessels. And um, I can't imagine what went through her mind. How is that going to solve my problem? Empty jars are worth nothing. It doesn't have any value in it. But she was obedient, and she went and did the work of the Lord. And she went and grabbed empty jars. She says, my master tells me to do it. I'm going to do it. It's not what I want. It's not what I think. It doesn't make sense, Lord, but I'm just going to go do it. And, 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 and she brought him into her house, all these empty jars. And, and, she, and he says, pour in the oil into those empty jars. And she started to that. She shut her door with her children there. And they were pouring the one oil that she had. And she started to fill up all these empty jars. And the jars kept up, kept up filling up. And miracles happen in, in our lives when we're obedient to the Lord. Amen. When we're obedient to the Lord, even though it's beyond our comprehension, beyond of what we can think, when we trust in the Lord with all our heart and not according to our understanding, the Lord will perform a miracle in our life. Amen. And so as, as he, she starts to pour this oil in there, she ran out of empty vessels. And I, she says, I have no more. And the moment that she ran out of those empty vessels or empty jars... The Bible says, let's read that. Look what happens in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 6. You may know this story. But it says, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. She's already got all these jars that were full of oil. Send me another one. But the, he said, the son said, there is not a jar left. I'm sorry, mom. Um, then the oil stopped flowing. And that's what happens when we stop being a vessel, a vessel especially that says, I've got nothing, that's a good thing. When you've got nothing, but you've got an, uh, when you don't have an ability, but you've got an availability for the Lord, that's, that's where the Lord will use you in, in a way you can never imagine. 
And so if you come to the Lord and you stop coming to the Lord and you say, Lord, I don't, got, I don't have any more room for you. I don't have any more capacity for you in my life. The oil of God will stop flowing in your life. And the Lord will stop. The, the Lord's uh, presence will stop flowing through your life. So we got to be in a constant emptying of ourselves so that the Lord can fill us up. Because we're filling ourselves with so much of us, so much of our desires, so much of what we care about, what we think about. And the Lord is saying, I need you to empty of you so that I can fill more of me. So that there can be so much filling in your life that there would be an over cup overflowing of me. That can be a light, that can be a refreshing to other people. I want to pour in my presence. I want to pour in the gifts to the nobody to make them a somebody so that you can use those gifts. You can use those talents. You can use your life. You can use your testimony to change the lives of others, that you can refresh the lives of others. And I believe this is a call for the church this morning, that the church would rise up and say, I want to change. I want to be united. Paul and Timothy were looking for a church that would be united. And I've got nobody else to send but Timothy. This is, a, this is a word for all of us in this place. Your capacity will never increase in your comfort zone. Your capacity will never increase in your comfort zone. When you're in your comfort zone, in our walk, where we've said we've just settled and we're just cruising you better you ever been on just cruise control in the highway and you just set it there you just relax you relax that foot there's no cruise control there's no comfort zone in this walk where you just let it cruise you got to be you got to be turning right you got to be turning left wherever the lord tells you to turn and so when we are in our comfort zone and we just are stagnant in our walk there is no capacity to be received anymore. That's it. You won't be able to fulfill your calling in your life. And, that's, and that happens to a lot of people. Some become idle. I know people that when they come to the Lord, they're on fire for the Lord, and they serve and serve and serve and serve and serve, and in a moment they just stop. And there's no more offering because I, me, myself, and I got in the way. And now there's no more capacity. Now there's no more fire. Now there's no more of me serving. And some of us put everything in the way as an excuse in our life. I'm too tired. It's family time. I'm all for family time. I love family. But it's not an excuse for me to serve the Lord. To put God first. I can't. I don't have time. I'm too busy. We're going to get into that. In the word there is, there is a parable of the talents. Where the master had to give talents to his servants. And you know the story where he's give, he gave the talents to three different servants. And there was two of them that brought return to the talents that they were given. 
And the verse in chapter in Matthew 25, verse 23, when, when he brought, when the servant brought the return to the talents that the Lord had given him, his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The Lord wants you to be faithful with what he's given you in your life. He's given you your testimony. He saved your life, saved your marriage in some of, in some of your cases here. He's given you a reason to live. He's given you talents. What are you doing with that in return? One day we will all give account to the Lord. What did you do with your life? Will he say, good, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. And because you've been faithful, I'm going to give you more. And sometimes we don't see that. But when we just empty ourselves and say, Lord, whatever you want, I'm going to be like that woman that just said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to go and get those jars, get those empty things. And I'm, I don't know how this is going to save my kids, but I don't know how you're going to do the miracle, Lord. But I'm just going to be obedient. Because if you put the man of God in my life that told me to do this and told me to do that, I'm just going to listen and I'm just going to be obedient. Because as I'm obedient to this man of God, I'm being obedient to you. And then there was that servant that just dug a hole and put the talent underground, didn't do anything. And this, is, and this was uh, the master's response in verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. This is the response to the Lord when you don't do anything with what the Lord has given you. This is the response the Lord will, will give to the church that is a dead church that doesn't do anything. That's not what spring of life is about. But many give excuses. A lazy man is a selfish man. You wicked and lazy servant. I'm going to say that again. A lazy man is a selfish man. All he thinks about is himself. Proverbs 19, verse 15. Listen to this verse. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Laziness is going to cast you into a deep sleep. Have you ever noticed that the more you do nothing, the more tired you get? When you've sat home all day, you students know what I'm talking about in the summer. You've done nothing all day. You stayed home all day and you say, oh my, I'm so tired. Because laziness will cast you into this deep sleep. You'll just be more lazy as it gets. And the Lord wants us to get out, of, get out of our butt and serve and go out and not be stuck and not be lazy, not be selfish. I just want to relax. This is my time now. Being idle, doing nothing. 
It says an idle person will suffer hunger. Let me tell you, you're going to be broke so fast doing nothing at home. You got to get up. You got to work hard. You got to serve. Whatever it takes. And this goes on with spiritually too. Some of us being idle, doing nothing, will cause you to suffer spiritual hunger. You say, I don't have the fire I used to have. Maybe it's because you've been spiritually lazy. So many times where I've needed encouragement in my life, what's brought me that encouragement is encouraging somebody else. When I serve somebody else, that changed my life. Even our prayers become selfish so many times. Lord, bless me. Fill my barns, Lord. Give me more and more and heal me and do this in my life. Start to pray for other people and you see the Lord do the miracle in your life. Start thinking of other people before you think about yourself. So if you catch yourself praying that way, and that's the majority of your prayer, nothing wrong with saying, Lord, help me and give me wisdom for this next test I'm about to take. But if all your prayers have to do with I, and if they have that in the sentence, and me and myself, check yourself. Because then you may have a problem where you just are full of yourself, and you have to empty of yourself, and maybe change yourself. Some of us have gotten into our Christian cocoon. You ever seen a cocoon where it's just, it's just there and it does nothing? It just hangs in there. Stuck on a tree. Getting comfortable in our own salvation. Just going through the motion every day. Going to church. Coming back. Maybe it's just Sundays. Some of, some of you say, you know what, I'll show up on Wednesday once in a while. Because it's the Lord's Supper. That's when everybody just shows up. You got to come when you don't even want to come. And you'll see the Lord move. You're like, man, I've, I've come here. I'm, I'm, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I've come here. Sometimes where I'm like, I'm so tired. I am. Physically. But my spirit's so willing saying, Kenny, no, you got to get the word of God in your life. And I've come to church because I'm spiritually hungry, and it tells my flesh, get out of the way. And, and I come to church, I'm all exhausted from my week, and I come here, and I hear a worship song, and I can't tell you how that just lifts me up. The presence of the Lord just changes my life. And then I'm like, man, I'm just so focused and ready for the Lord's voice in my life, because I just emptied myself out before I walked into this place. Right in his altar, I've even come here like that, and said, Lord, I laid at your feet. That's a good time when you're in worship to lay it at his feet. Say, Lord, I empty myself because if I don't empty myself before the preacher gets up here, then I'm not going to hear your voice. I'm not going to hear what you have for my life. I'm not going to get filled with your word. Then it's in vain why I come to church. You might as well just not come. If you're not going to come to empty yourself so that you can be filled of what the Lord wants for your life, forget it. You're going to leave out here the same, filled with yourself, not filled with the word. So you come here and say, Lord, I need more of you. 
And I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many times that's occurred in my life. I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I came to a church. I'm so glad I didn't listen to my laziness where it says I was tired. Because if I didn't go that Wednesday, I guarantee you that if you don't show up to that Wednesday, you don't show up to that Sunday, you don't show up to that person who's in need when they call you up and you give an excuse, no, I can't make it because I got something else. You need to move. I can't help you move this weekend because you make it up. You know what happens to you? You'll just start to get into that motion where you'll just, you, you, you become spiritually lazy and you don't want to serve. You don't want to do anything. You just get into this comfort zone. But the more you serve, I'll tell you something. I can hand choose, I can hand pick those Timothys in this place that when you call them, they're like, amen, brother, I'm there. No matter what time, no matter when it took place, man, I've had calls in the middle of the night. Widows of the church, and, and do you think that, and I've gotten a call at 12 o'clock at night and say, Pastor, I had nobody else to call. I tried calling Pastor Joaquin. He's gone. He didn't answer. And you answered. And, uh, and I'm like, why did I answer the call? And then she goes, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm in the middle of the highway. And, uh, and I go, you think my flesh was like all excited? I was like ready. I just got under the covers and the phone rang. Even that, that, the, the AC was perfect. Nice and warm under my covers. And the phone rings. Like, do I answer it? No, get the phone. Pick up the phone. I need your help. I got nobody else to call. I'm like, oh, great. The car's broken. I'm not a mechanic. Let me call Emilio. (laughs) Emilio didn't answer the call. I still had to go over there. So I went over there in the middle of the highway. It was already 1230 at night. I don't know anything about mechanics. I can't fix the car. I try my best. I know about maybe the radiator fluid and whatever, if it's overheating, and a couple of things maybe to jumpstart it. But the car was dead, dead, dead. All I had was a AAA card on me. And if I, that's all I have, then that's all I'm going to give. And I called, and AAA says, we'll be there in a couple of hours. I mean, so we're talking about 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm calling Emilio. Please answer the call. Please answer the call. And he answers the call, and he's like, hey, I'm away. I'm out of town right now. Great, man. I was hoping you would come, and then I can leave and go back in my sleep. But he, um, we waited for the, the end of the story was uh, we had AAA come, and um, we, we took care of the issue. But I'll tell you something. I may have gone home physically tired, But I can't tell you how spiritually pumped I went home knowing that I can serve and be a blessing to somebody. When that person started to to cry and thank me the next day, thank you so much for what you did in my life and what that meant. Um, What do you think that happened when I got the next call? I I was really excited about it, to help and serve somebody else. But if you don't do that, if you don't empty yourself, you'll never know what that is like to help and bless somebody else and serve somebody else. And so let's get out of that Christian cocoon. Let's get out of that comfort zone. I read this post once that said that Judas, he had the best pastor. He had the best leader. He had the best teacher. He had the wisest. He had the best friend you can ever have. Yet he wasn't found faithful. He failed big time. So the problem isn't leadership. The problem is in Spring of Life Fellowship Church. If your selfish attitude doesn't change or your lazy character is not transformed, 
You're always going to be the same no matter what, no matter what leadership you have in your life. And we do have incredible leadership in this place. Because we follow the greatest leader of all. James 3, 16. This is a problem about self. The word says that for every, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and everything and every evil thing are there. Where there's self-seeking, where there's envy, where there's about what I want to do. The word says that there's confusion. Another version says that there's disorder. Your life will become a disorder. Everything will become out of order in your life when you're self-seeking. When all you think about is yourself. The greatest tragedy is not death in life. It's a life without purpose. An idle life. A selfish life. I believe it's the greatest sin of all. But a life that is Salt to the earth and a light to this world is a life filled with purpose that is always wanting to put a seed in somebody's life, that is always wanting to serve somebody else. Luke chapter 9, verse 59. I love this. Jesus said to another, he said, follow me. Lord, I'll follow you. But he said, Lord, let me first go and, and, and bury my father. Just, just give me a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Just give me a second while I go do my thing. Let me go wait till my father dies. Let me spend time with him. Let me enjoy this, this, these last few years with him. And, and I promise, Lord, that once he dies and I bury him, I will serve you for the rest of my life. His response in verse 60 was, He said, let the dead go bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. This has nothing to do with dishonoring your father. This has to do with honoring the Lord first and then honoring your, father, your, your earthly father second. That's what that means. Because a lot of us honor all our earthly things and people before honoring our Lord first. Verse 61 and another person said, this was another excuse, Lord, I will follow you, but just let me go first and bid them farewell. Let me just say goodbye to them first. Let me just go back home. Let me spend more time with them. And as soon as they leave, as soon as, as, as these people are just gone in my life, I promise you, Lord, I'll spend the rest of my life serving you. Verse 62. Jesus said to him, no, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. No one, not one, having put his hand to the plow and he's looking back, is fit for the kingdom. You got to put your hand to the plow and don't look back. And serve God wholeheartedly with all your heart. It's all for him, not for me. It's not about me. It's not about my family. 
It's not about when it's convenient to me. It's not when I'm not tired. It's all for him all the time, no matter what. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them, if anyone desires, is there anybody here that desires to come and follow Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Anybody desire? We all desire. We all want to please God. We all want to follow God, quote unquote. If anyone desires to come after me, then let him deny himself. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. I have a desire, but man, I got to get rid of what I want to do. You have no idea that countless of people that I've shared my life with have told me I don't want to go to church because I have to give up so many things. That is the saddest thing I could ever hear. Because by giving up your little things, you have no idea what the Lord is going to bless you with. You have no idea what the Lord has to offer for your life. Why do you think I keep on serving the Lord after 20-something years? I would get tired if this was just a motion. This isn't just a motion. This has been 20-something years of laying down my life and seeing so much more than I, can have, I would have accomplished on my own. And I'm like, I want more of Jesus. I want more of him. Because the more I get of him, man, the more I get, period. And so I have to have less of me. And it says, he comes after me and he denies himself. He takes up his cross daily and follows me. Taking up your cross daily means you nail your desires to the cross. You nail what you want to the cross. It's not what I want, Lord. Nail it. I don't want it. I want what you want. Every single day, live a day at a time. Forget about tomorrow. Today, you pick up that cross and you follow Jesus. Jesus said, whoever doesn't love me more than his father, his mother, his wife, children, brothers, sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be called my disciple. Don't even call yourself a disciple. Don't call yourself a Christian. If you're not laying down your life, your own desire for him, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. The greatest thing my wife can have is a husband who loves Jesus more than her. The greatest thing my children can have is a father who loves Jesus more than them. The greatest thing that this church can have is a man who will serve and love them more than himself because he loves Jesus more than himself. Serve your church. Serve the body. Serve one another. 2 Corinthians 5.15. I can't tell you the number of verses that this says. Hi, he said, he died for all. That those who live should live no longer for themselves. The countless of verses that tells you don't live for yourself. Because there is an epidemic problem with self. 
Don't live for yourself. But for him who died for you and rose again. He died and rose again to give you life, to give you purpose. So live for him. Don't live for yourself. He gave you a reason to live. But we all want to live with our benefits. We want to live with the benefits of salvation and everything that he has to offer us. But we don't want to give up our own desires. You shall no longer live for yourself. Gary got married and pastor said he's a dead man walking now. Because the moment you get married is no longer about yourself. It's about your spouse. You are a dead man walking. You are dead to your desires. Dead to your thoughts. Dead to your plan. Throughout the years, I've always told the, the youth, are you a fan of Jesus Christ? Or are you a follower, a committed follower of Jesus Christ? Are you a follower or just part of the crowd? I've gone to the crowds and, and it's great to celebrate and all that. But you have no idea the, 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 the desire I have to just be on that court, to be part of that team. I want to take the shot. I want to make that throw. I want to be part of that team. I don't want to just sit in the stands and watch. Throughout the Bible, there were always crowds and multitudes watching Jesus. Even seeing him perform miracles in the feeding of the 5,000, there were so many people watching. There was only a few that were playing in the game that were part of that team. I want to be part of that team. You see, the crowd, what happens with the crowd after the game? They go their own way. They do their own thing. When the excitement is over, they get what they wanted and they leave. Or they don't like what they see and hear, so they just go out and just criticize. You have no idea how many basketball games, baseball games I've gone to and I've criticized the team. That's what the crowd does. It's normal. Like, they should have done this. They should have done that. I criticized uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers the other day. If you guys are watching the NBA Finals, there's a guy called J.R. Smith. And when the guy misses the free throw, he gets, he gets the rebound and he runs in the opposite direction. And LeBron James is like, where are you going? It's that way. And there's a picture of him pointing him to the right direction. And there's three seconds left. And he's running in the opposite direction. Because they say he thought that they were winning. He didn't know what the score was. How do you not know what the score is when you're in the finals, when you're in the most important games of your life? You need to know what's going on if you're playing on this team. I was in the crowd. I was criticizing. I was just like, what a dummy. And they lost the game. But it takes a team. LeBron James scored the most score, the points he scored in his finals history, 51 points. But he can't do it all on his own. We may have the LeBron James as a, as a preacher, Pastor Joaquin, but he can't do it on his own. There needs to be a church, a body together that's united, that serves together. The same in a baseball team. can't be just one. It can't be two. You need a team together. And when, and when in, in, in a body, when one is hurt, when one is broken, the whole body hurts. The whole body's in pain. 
And in and, and the same way when there's victory in somebody's life, there's victory in the church. Because we're one body. We're one church with one vision and a calling. Get connected and be a part of that. Don't just come and go. Don't be a crowd that's going to say, good job, or criticize. No, man, get in. Put your hand in the plow so that you can be fit for the kingdom of God. That's not what Spring of Life says. That's what the Word of God says. Put your hand in the plow. Cultivate the ground. That's what the word plow means. Cultivate the ground so that we can cultivate the ground in this world and throw seeds in this church. The purpose of the church is to sanctify the church. That the church would be holy, set apart, different. We want to cultivate the ground in this church so that you can go invite people and their marriages can get restored in this place. Let's prepare the plow of this place so that when they come in here and their hearts are ready to receive God's word, they're refreshed, they're renewed, they're changed. And to teach them that it doesn't end there. I've seen marriages restored and they've done nothing. And years later, they've lost their marriage again because they stay stagnant in their ways. Church isn't about me. Church is for the family of Christ. Church is about a family being sanctified to take the good news to others. That's our purpose here. It isn't just for us. It's for the church to be sanctified and for all those that come in. So as we are being sanctified, the church can go out and save souls and save marriages, save families. To take the good news to others of the amazing grace. We need to take the good news of the amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Let's sing that song. Let's sing that song, Amazing Grace. This is what my pastor taught me to do in the middle of a sermon. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now. I see my chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. Sing one more time. My chains are gone. Sing to the Lord. And I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. 
And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace, unending love, unending love, amazing grace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what we need to take to this world. The amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. What would have been of my life if Pastor Jose Palma received the Lord as we were friends since fifth grade and he had never told me about Jesus? What would have been of my life if he would have just enjoyed the good life on his own? And not shared with me what the Lord had done in his life about the amazing grace that saved his life. What would have been of my life? I would not have had the wife I have. I would not have the children I have. I would not have this church. I would not have purpose in my life. I thank God for his obedience. His obedience to not live for himself, but he wanted to give others what the Lord did in his life. He, would have, he could have just gone to church and done his own thing. What would have happened if, if Pastor Jose Medieros would have gotten saved and just moved on with another wife when he came to the Lord because he was separated with his wife for years? What would have happened? There probably would be no church in, in Merida where that equals thousands of families hearing a restored testimony? Imagine if he hadn't been faithful to the call of the Lord, or maybe, let's say he did ask for forgiveness with his wife, and they got restored, praise God, but then he decided to do his own thing. They decided to do their own thing. But Medeiros decided, Pastor Jose Medeiros decided it's not about my own plan. He wanted to seek the will of the Father. What did the Lord have in store? His obedience to the call of God to be the light and, and the salt of the earth. To use what the Lord had restored for his glory. That the Lord would use his testimony to change lives. And his, I love it because he not only preaches it, but he lives an incredibly restored marriage, like how awesome marriage is. I love that. He lives it. He preaches it. He even wrote a book on it so people can read it. However it is, Lord, I want this message, what you did in my life. I want everybody to know. I want thousands to know that you're alive, that you're real, that you can save a dummy like me, a wretch like me, a filthy man like me, and change my life that I couldn't do it on my own and restore my marriage. I need everybody to know what the Lord did in my life. That's not the call of a pastor. That's, called a, that's the call of a servant. That's a call of a man who loves the Lord and wants to do his will. 
No wavering. I just want to do whatever the Lord wants. If all I got is an empty vessel, it's all I got. But I'm going to give it to the Lord. Let's have the musicians come on up. Testimony is a powerful thing. It is the greatest sermon you could ever preach. The most impactful thing I could have shared with you today is what I just shared about my life coming to the Lord and Pastor Jose Mediero's life to the Lord. That could be, I could just have shared that and that was enough. Because there's nothing more powerful than a life that is changed. So you say, I have nothing to offer this world. Yes, you do. You've got a lot to offer. There's people that have gone to, through disaster in this place. And the Lord today has held you with his grace. The Lord wants to use that testimony of who you are so that others that are going through that can be refreshed with what the Lord is doing in your life. So you no longer say, it's, it's about me. It's about you, Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. Let's all stand and listen to this verse. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. says no one should seek their own good but the good of others we always want what's good for ourselves but nobody the bible is telling us that no one should seek what they think is good for themselves but for the good of others think about others first before yourself check yourself in the mirror of life and stop looking at yourself and saying i don't i no longer want to look at this mirror i want to look at other people's lives I care about other people more than I care about myself. Philippians 2, and I end with this verse. Verse 3. We've been reading out of Philippians 2. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others. Let each serve others better than himself, better than one another. You know, the, the verses about one another in the Bible appear in the New Testament over 59 times. That tells you that there's a problem with self and how important others are in our life. There's verses that say, be peace with each other. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. That appears over 11 times in the New Testament alone. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Amen? Instruct one another. Teach others. Don't just say, I need to get wise. I need to help others become wise. Greet one another 
with a holy kiss. Give them a hug. Tell them Jesus loves you. Affirm them. Men here, affirm those young orphans. Women in this place, those young daughters in this place that have lost their loved ones. Hug them and tell them how much the Heavenly Father loves them and how much you love them and how proud you are of them. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Show respect to one another. When you're at a, at a special place, we wait until everybody at the table gets their food and we wait for everybody. We wait for each other. That's biblical. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another. It says if you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Ouch. Carry each other's burdens. Just like Jesus Christ took on your burdens, we ought to be Jesus in this place to one another and say, hey man, what are your burdens? What are you going through? Let me walk with you in this. Let me pray with you. Let me, let me join you in your, in your dark valley. Because I, I know a God who can lift you up there. I want to be with you in your present time of need. Let's sing this song to the Lord and surrender your heart to Him. Hallelujah. that again amazing grace i 
saved us. You've broken our chains of bondage. You've set us free, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would give back to you what you've given us, that we would give back to the church what the church has been for us. I pray that we would give back to others what you've done for us, that we would love others the way that you have loved us unconditionally, Lord. Whether people, other people deserve it or not, they deserve it because you love them and that's enough you love them unconditionally regardless of their condition regardless of their circumstance you love them so teach us to love them like you do teach us to serve them like you do you are the greatest example of all Lord to serve like you to love like you to lay your life down like you you humbled yourself as you said in the word and became a bondservant. I pray, God, that that would be our prayer, that we would humble ourselves in our proud state and live for you, God. I pray this church would be a place of refreshing, that this church would be a place where lives are transformed, that people here would leave different than how they came, that they would go be a light to this world, Lord, wherever they may go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. I encourage you. I encourage you to stay. Whoever can stay to second service. Pastor Jose Medieta will be sharing the same message. And it's always powerful to hear that uh, when he comes and preaches. So otherwise, God bless you. And you're all dismissed. Hallelujah.